Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another CMYK podcast. My name is Matt, and we, this summer, as you probably know, I'm sure have figured it out, uh, we're taking a break for the summer on our summer gatherings, or weekly Sunday gatherings, and we're not gathering every single Sunday. We're just doing once a month, and so... Uh, We had a great gathering in June. We've got one coming up in July this month, July 21st, that I hope you can make it, 10.30 a.m. or 6 p.m. at Art House Cinema. Uh, Just going to be continuing to wrestle through this thing called prayer together. And more than anything, just have the opportunity to see one another and connect and say, how's the summer going? What you been doing? You've been having fun. You've been getting rest, all that kind of stuff. So I hope to see you there. But in the midst of this summer Sabbath that we've been taking, we are taking uh, just some weeks to talk about this thing called CMYK and particularly what is our DNA? What is the makeup of this community? What are our values? How is this thing? What are the things this, this idea of church is built upon? So we've been, we've been doing that. This is, this is, is number three, I believe. And so if if you haven't listened to the old ones, man, go back and listen to those ones. But today I'm so excited to be able to talk about this DNA piece of our community, of our church. It simply says this, that we are okay with doubts, with struggles, with questions, and with not having all the answers. And for me, this is one of those things that might be a statement on a wall somewhere, but when you actually start to experience it, that it's truly a part of the DNA. It's not just a statement. It's not just an idea that's thrown out there, but it truly is an aspect of how we're choosing to interact with ourselves and others within this uh, church and community. Man, there's some really beautiful things that are coming out of it. And so to help me kind of talk about that, I thought it would be good to invite Seth Hirschkorn, who's part of CMYK, to, for us to just talk about what does this mean within CMYK? How, how does this look differently than maybe other aspects of church can look at times? And so I hope you enjoy that conversation. I really enjoyed it and obviously really enjoy Seth's voice and what he brings to this community. Before we jump into it, I uh, want to quickly just thank you again to those of you that choose to give financially to this thing called CMYK. We've been not gathering throughout the summer, but we still got some things going on and we're still paying some staff and still doing uh, some things gearing up for the fall. And so those of you that are choosing to continue to give to this thing, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we really hope and believe that this thing is a, is a community effort. It's not just a couple people that are choosing to give and then we get to do this thing, but it's all of us bringing what we have to the table, bringing our voice, our story, our doubts, our questions, our resources. And when we kind of collectively bring that, that's the beauty of this thing called CMYK. That's the beauty of this thing called community and church. So those of you that are giving, thank you, thank you, thank you for your gift, whatever it is. If for whatever reason you haven't jumped in on a financial level and are part of CMYK on that level, man, I hope that uh, you would be able to do that. Obviously, uh, you can just head to our website, cmykchurch.com, and you can click that give button and set up a monthly gift or just a one-time gift, whatever it is. But just to know that you are truly a part of this thing and you're bringing your voice, you're bringing your resources to this thing is huge for what we're trying to build here in Billings, Montana. So I'm so excited for July 21st. I hope to see you there, but I'm also excited for you to listen in on this podcast. We talk about community, we talk about the Bible, we talk about God and how doubt kind of interacts with all of those things in a really great way. So thanks again so much for listening. I hope you're doing well and I hope to see you really soon either around town or at our gathering. All right. As always, if there's anything we can do for you, please reach out. Without further ado, here it is uh, myself and Mr. Seth Hirschborn. 
All right, Mr. Hirschkorn, thanks so much for being here today. Um, you know, when it came to this topic of who's the best person in the world to have a conversation with around this topic of a community where we are okay with doubts, with questions, with struggles, and with not having all the answers, you, my friend, are at the top of that list. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, I think really not... not what be- he's saying is I don't know anything. And you struggle all the time. And all the time. Yeah, so... Um, in all honesty, I think just a lot of it is the history and, and narrative that you've had with church, typically, and what church can look like around these topics, and kind of the uniqueness of, or the difference of what CMYK offers, this DNA piece for who we are. And I think for me, one of the most uh, interesting things, and I didn't even realize it going into starting CMYK, but I think it's been fascinating to realize how much religion or church, faith community, whatever label you want to bring to it, revolves around this idea of certainty. And that's why you would choose to be a part of a community, because they feel like they're the ones with all the answers or with the best answers. And so you're going to choose to be a part of that because of certainty and how different or weird it's been for a lot of people, even myself included sometimes, to say, no, we're actually kind of straying away from this idea of certainty and actually leaning into doubt, we're leaning into the space of questions, we're leaning into the space of we're all dealing with stuff. And so more important than having the answers is creating a space where we cannot have the answers together. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I like that. And then also like to add to that, that um, never, uh, being willing to never maybe have the answer, like a willingness that we might not ever have the answer. Yeah. Because I think a lot of spaces and places and communities want the answer and arrive on a place where they have the answer. And that's what binds them together is like, Hey, we've got the answers around this stuff. And so to be willing to step into that and go, we're okay with doubts and questions and not having all the answers. And we're that we're going to try and be that way forever. Yeah. Because yeah. Cause most, I would say most, or the traditional kind of church space with even within evangelicalism is typically a question is okay. A doubt is okay. But you're you're kind of given this this pass. <laughs> you get a period of time and then it expires and then you, like whatever that time is, whether it's right. a week or a year, whatever it is. But now, because of you've gone to church or you're part of this thing, your doubt shouldn't be where it was anymore or your questions, you shouldn't have as many questions. You should have more answers. And so it's always this end goal of not being in a space of doubt or having questions um, compared to like, no, that's that's actually what this thing is right. and, and what this faith is, is an invitation into not having all the answers and, and to do that together is actually a really, really beautiful thing. Right. And if, I guess, and, and, and then if we have people as a part of our community who think they have the answers, the beauty is that they coexist along the pe- alongside the people that don't, Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I can only assume there's people in our community that have their foundational beliefs about, God and who God is and what God is that drive their life, mm-hmm. but they're able to coexist along people like me mm-hmm. who don't. Yeah. So. Yeah. I find it really interesting. I, I think for me, um, so as I said earlier, it's been fascinating to watch how how challenging this is in all reality because people just want that certainty yeah. out of church. And Well, gosh, even we've talked about how much like we miss it at times. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like that, like we think back to our days in the evangelical church world and like that's a big part of our conversations of like I just miss being certain about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I and what we talk about all the time is like faith was almost like 
math. It was this equation that if you do, <laughs> you know, one plus two, it's always going to equal three. And so faith was always, if you do this and then you add this into it, you're always going to get this outcome. And and teaching and preaching out of that kind of concept and idea of trying to get people to do A plus B so that we get C is the response. Um, and like to just flip that on its head, like that, there was something really comfortable, particularly in the leadership mm-hmm. pastoral role to be able to say like, I'm doing the right thing for people because I'm doing A plus B and that equals C. And I just know that I know that I know that compared to like, I don't know that I know that anymore. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden, if we're okay with doubts, questions, struggles, and not having all the answers, we're actually being invited into one another's lives. We're not just being invited into a math equation for, for everybody and trying to kind of blanket statement that for everybody. But for me, it's been an interesting and unique challenge to actually work to to see someone and what's really going on and where they're really at and to do what I think, you know, the work of Christ would be, and that is to embrace them where mm-hmm. they are and to work to see them for who they are and say that that matters. And like you say, their story within the CMYK community matters a lot. And just as much as someone else's story in the community might say that they have the math problem in the equation and it's all together you know, perfect, but, but to bring those two together is really what the CMYK thing has become. Right. Which is difficult and, and challenging. And, um, you know, that I I like, you know, I like that idea of the math equation. I I remember, I remember when that started to go away because like, you know, the, the math stopped making sense, like when I was an evangelical pastor. And so I remember the day I had to just confront that and be like, oh gosh, I can't, no, I can no longer say, one plus two equals three in, mm-hmm. in a realm of belief. Like I've, I have to, I have to, <laughs> I have to back up somewhere and mm-hmm. challenge that. And so I really believe that with where I'm at, CMYK does offer that at least to me, mm-hmm. that the, the, the non-equation part is more of the let's explore what this looks like and, and the invitation of Christ to step into each other's lives and see that the equation might look differently yep. amongst other people. So, so I think there's really kind of three things for me that this this idea of uh being okay with doubt and struggles and not having all the answers kind of invites to see differently. First, as we talked about, is this idea of community. I'm no longer as a pastor or a friend, just kind of blanket statement, math problem, do this and you'll be fixed, but it's more of an invitation into someone's doubt and struggle and, you know, all of that and and just embracing them where they are walking through them with that for no other outcome than to just that they know that they're not alone and that their story and voice matters and significant. So that's, you know, one thing that I see differently. Another thing that you've talked about to see differently in the midst of this is this idea of or interaction with the divine and with God, that when we are okay with doubt, questions, struggles, not having all the answers, all of a sudden this interaction looks differently than before. What, what does that look like for you and what, what's different? Wait, what's the third one? You did one community. Well, I'm, two, I'll divine. get there. Oh, well, I want to know what they are real quick. Scripture. The scripture. way that I see the way that I see and interact with. Do you scripture want to tackle them in order? Well, we tackle. We just tackled uh, community a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we can tackle it well, more. I want to tag onto that. Like, <laughs> okay, I think, go for I it. Think part of the. <laughs> I just. I think that part of the, uh, the the reality of that is I I know for me as a as a teacher and as someone with a lot of social circles like. The desire is to what always... What he's saying is he has a lot of friends. I'm so popular. <laughs> I'm so popular. With over like, seven people on Instagram If, if I had me. a Twitter, it'd just be <laughs> tens of dozens yep. of followers. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so 
I know there's always this urge in me, and this is something I've had to fight back to come from the pastoral realm, from you know being a, being a pastor and, and now being a teacher. Like, there's always a desire to look at people and try and have an answer for their life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there's had to be this immense switch into just being a listener yep. and question asker, which is really tough because yep. when when you're you know when I came from that uh, previous church world, like there was always the need to give answers mm-hmm. and to try and to try and add to the equation, if you will. And so it's been tough for me to sit back on my heels and be a listener and mm-hmm. not a an advice giver mm-hmm. and a fixer. Yep. You know. Yep. And it, I and for me, I mean, I would say the same thing. For me, I've seen so much beauty, and and I would say power, however you want to take that word, in that work of just listening. That I, that I thought the power was in having the right thing to say at the right time to somebody. Yeah. And thinking, like, they have this problem, and then I'm going to give them this one zinger, you know, this kind of, <laughs> this Andy Stanley statement. Yeah. They're going to be like, I never thought about it. And the whole, you know, the heavens have opened, and Matt yeah. Blakesley has spoken, and everything is and now And they're going to remember that day, November 23rd, yep. 2015, oh, that yep. you changed their yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. It was going to be... But, like... <laughs> That's where the power was for me. And then to realize, like, that is, like, that's not a thing <laughs> that, yeah. that really happens. It might happen, and, and it, it it does happen every once in a while, but maybe once or twice in a lifetime do we have those moments, if we're honest. The power is actually when I sit back and when I listen, mm-hmm. and, and that person, and I would say this because of how I've experienced, whether it's from people like you or other people in the CMYK community, when I feel like I'm just being heard and my voice is being validated and I'm being embraced for where I am, and maybe there's some challenge and some encouragement and some, hey, think about this or process this, but I know that I've been heard. That is what's powerful. And mm-hmm. those are the relationships that matter the most to me. You know what's crazy, though, is you can't get there until you listen. Yeah. And that's the, that's the reality of relationships and community, this piece of it that if you want to be someone who gives advice and changes someone's life, it doesn't happen without trust and relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because those words will just fall on deaf ears. Yep. yep. So it's interesting. I guess I've never connected that. I mean, I think I've connected that piece, but just now it's kind of making more sense. They're like, I guess if you want to be an impactful person, you need to be a listener first yeah. and build trust and respect. I think of Ethan Canning a lot. Yeah. Name dro- CMYK name drop. <laughs> um, he's just such a good listener. And mm-hmm. then when he's, after you've talked a bunch, he speaks and you listen, mm-hmm. you know. Because you know that you've been heard. Yeah. You trust him. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people like that in our community, but he was like one of the ones that popped up yep. my brain first. So. I like it. I like that too. Yeah. So community. Community. Because doubt is okay. Community looks different. Yeah. Because, embrace the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because doubt is okay interaction uh, with God or the divine looks different. Mm -hmm. How does it look different for you because of that? Yeah, this has been something that I've kicked around a bunch the last two years um, because the divine is much like um, the recipe for, there was a recipe for faith or a mathematic equation of, um, you know, certainty. The same thing was like this recipe for who God was, you know, will you read the scriptures to reveal the divine? And I can't remember where I read it or what it was, but there was a, a one time where I heard that the idea of the divine goes far beyond um, black ink on white pages. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a mix of people influencing this idea in me. And so um, with my doubt and with my questions and with my willingness to be wrong and always be seeking something else, um, my idea of God has actually gotten bigger. It reminds me of like Paul Tillich's ground of being, mm-hmm. um, I remember um, Pete Holmes was having a conversation with 
what's his name? Irish guy. Peter Rollins. Peter Rollins. And they were talking about how like one of the things we tend to do is we tend to make God simply superhuman. So we think of God or the divine as a human, but with superpowers. And that still has like a cap to their superpowers. Like take Superman, like Superman still has, there's still a limit to his power. And we do the same thing with God. And so Paul Tillich's ground of being really opened me up to this idea that the divine or whatever God might be is much bigger than this confined um, idea of God. Like it's no longer this, God no longer has these boundaries, but God can move far beyond the boundaries Mm -hmm. um, for me and what I'm trying to pursue Mm -hmm. out of the divine. Mm -hmm. And so so that the doubt and the questioning for me led to a bigger version of what God could be. Um, and, and with that, I think of, uh, have, you know, the, the science theory redshift? No. Just basically that like the universe, and if you're listening and I'm completely wrong, feel free to call me out. But just the idea that the universe is like constantly expanding. So yep. I think we're all in the, like kind of the awareness that like the universe is constantly growing and moving outward, mm-hmm. which baffles, like I can't fathom, but it, it's kind of the same feeling I have toward the divine right now. Mm-hmm. That that if the divine is real, it's constantly growing outward and getting bigger, only to become more inclusive and enveloping of every possible thing. Mm-hmm. And so, with my questions and doubts and uh, pursuit of these things, I want to I want to fill those spaces alongside the divine with whatever thoughts I can. Mm-hmm. So, as the divine gets bigger in my my brain and my reality, I want to. F- I want to try and fill that out too, mm-hmm. that my brain and my reality get bigger as yeah. well. Yeah, I think that's been, so for me... Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. I, and okay. I think, you know, you, you go to theological training like like we did, and and uh, I don't know, I'm not saying that this was the point or the goal of the professors in in my classes, but I definitely walked away with this idea that there is a box that you put this God language or understanding in and to get outside of that box is really dangerous. And so always make sure that you're staying to these statements and phrases and ideas and communicating that and that alone. And so at the end of the day, like what I'm hearing you talk about and what my experience was is God actually becomes smaller because there's only, there's only so much space and Mm -hmm. language that God fits within. And so when doubt or the willingness to be wrong was, introduced into the equation for me, all of a sudden, I was no longer worried about that box. I was just worried about interacting with the divine, wherever, however, whoever, and and working to see this, you know, pneuma, spirit, breath, life, reality, you know, ground of all being, whatever it is, and finding that in in every moment became kind of the the addiction for me all of a sudden. And it wasn't about trying to find it in some some kind of box, but seeing it everywhere. And and doubt and being willing to question this stuff is what actually invited that for me. Yeah. So, like, for me, I love the idea that <clears throat> CMYK, because this is one of the things with the CMYK DNA series uh, that, that I love kind of pointing at is saying, we're not just kind of hypothetically talking about these ideas of, like, what if a church did this or did <laughs> that? Like, I love the fact that this is a church, this is a community that is actually doing this, mm-hmm. that is... that. There are people that are totally okay with the fact that me, Matt Blakesley, spent uh, a good chunk of his time <laughs> leading teaching in this church, and I, I was so unsure of 
where I was at and what was going on, but they were willing to see and hear me and, and embrace me where I was. Same, same with mm-hmm. you and your story. Like this is actually happening and it's not, and in the midst of that, that this idea or this interaction with the divine is actually growing in this community, I think. Like, I, I feel like, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, like, I feel like there is something deeper and deeper happening on a sacred level with who and what CMYK is mm-hmm. at our Sunday gatherings and just the interactions throughout the week than there was two years ago. Yeah. And a lot of that is just our willingness to continue to go there and talk about these things and and be present, honest, open, and love, even in the midst of doubt, questions, struggles, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it seems like, um, which is the, it, it feels that the, um, when we engage this doubt and questioning, you know, um, for a long time in the church world, I wonder if the mentality has been when you embrace certainty, you grow in deeper understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. But my experience has been that as we embrace doubt and questioning and uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, our experience with the divine is changing mm-hmm. and it's it's growing. Yeah, more. I like the word sacred. There's yeah. something sacred about, you know, I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I pray the Lord's Prayer every week at CMYK. Do I believe it? I don't know. Yeah. But dang it, if there isn't something sacred about the voices chanting something together in the room, mm-hmm. you know, join CMYK's cult on Sunday mornings <laughs> at 1030 a.m. at the art house. <laughs> like, there's something really profound about that. Yeah. Or or the fact that we do the Lord's Prayer, t- or uh, sorry, uh, uh, communion together. Like, yep. those things have taken on a new sacred meaning. And yet I don't, I don't know what I think about them. Because they can mean something even in the midst of doubt. Right. They don't have to have certainty attached to it. Well, it's anymore. that expansive idea of the divine that for, for, for me now, as the divine gets bigger, mm-hmm. those things that have been in place in the church realm for so, for hundreds of years take on new meaning for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, uh, just before we move on, I would encourage you, you, you uh, mentioned Peter Rollins. You could just Google Peter mm-hmm. Rollins and find so, Peter Rollins on doubt, and you would find so many different articles and YouTube videos and podcasts that uh, would be good for you. Fidelity of Betrayal is a book by him that, that you might really enjoy as well, um, I think would be would be great. Uh, so anyways, I think that would be good. So the last piece for me that, that this piece of our DNA has kind of in, invited a different approach to is Scripture. Yeah. The Bible. Oh, yeah. Um, because, again, the, the Bible was this rule book that was handed down from on high, and, you know, we are to teach that book and to do yeah. that book, and, you know, that's where we get a lot of the math equations from. And to teach that from. book as the absolute word of God. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, I think th- this happened for me, and, and one of the reasons this has been a kind of a founding DNA piece for CMYK Obviously, my journey has led me deeper into what this idea of being okay with doubt and struggles is. But for me, the the instigation of this idea of when Kate and I were dreaming about this kind of different church and a church that had this as a DNA piece, it really was the life and the teachings of Christ. Because for me, the more and more that I interacted with or saw the stories of Jesus in the Bible, he was not someone that was introducing certainty it seemed like he was one that was introducing a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. He was introducing a lot of grayness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was introducing a lot of disruption to yeah. the certainty. Yeah. That here were these religious leaders that they knew that they knew that they knew. And then yeah. Jesus shows up on the scene. And he's not affirming them in their knowledge. And he's not even, he's not even you know, 
trying to give them another pamphlet and say, no, this is the way to do it. Like, he's just introducing disruption. That would be my favorite gospel to read of Jesus just handing out pamphlets and, like, stuff in pamphlets, like, you know, on donkeys, like in saddles. Just, hey, just read it. It's fun. Yeah, Yeah, this is, yeah, it's got a nice Like gospel track coins that instead of being real coins, you flip the coin over. Yeah, there's not even chocolate inside. (laughs) It's just like a piece of wood. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read that gospel. Yeah. yeah. Only like four people know what we're talking <laughs> about. But, um, but for me, that was the start of this. Is mm-hmm. starting to actually see what the scriptures were inviting, yeah. and that is this idea of disruption of the way that I see the world, the way that I see the divine, and the way that I'm choosing to go about things. And that healthy spirituality seemed to be, as an invitation of scripture, a disruption of how I was viewing and seeing things into a more beautiful way. So quick question with that. How did that change the way you read the foundational stories of before? So you read the Gospels and you see this guy who's bringing a lot of questions to the religious narrative. How did that affect the way that you then went back and read things like Noah's Ark, David and Goliath, Abraham and Isaac, um, 40 years in the desert? Like, what did, th- did that change that for you, how you read those? I think, so... To go back to the Jesus and the pamphlet statement, like, I think the more that I looked at the life of Christ, there was something, and I've I've talked about this at CMYK before, there's something really interesting about Christ and the story of his ascension, Mm -hmm. that he leaves planet Earth, and in his leaving of planet Earth, he he doesn't hand out a pamphlet. He doesn't even say, go read the Bible and give everybody the, you know, the tablets or the, you know, scrolls, whatever, whatever would be for that day. He gives them nothing except John reports his breath and he Mm. he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's it. And they peace out. He's done. Yeah. There's something about that for me. Jesus has just been a teacher of disruption. And then he says, and now you have the thing that I had. So go and, and do what I was doing. And... And then when I started to look at, okay, all he leaves is his spirit. And so that's the invitation for me. Am I interacting with the divine? As I talked about earlier, am I actually kind of seeing this idea of God everywhere? When I go down that path, I started to see and to understand the scriptures should be an invitation into this moment and my interaction with the divine in this moment, not me always trying to um, go back and define what happened in a previous moment, but it should be an invitation into this moment because that seemed to be what Jesus was all about. So all of a sudden, the story of Noah is not a conversation about whether or not this actually happened or how it happened Mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. It's a conversation about how does this inform the way that I'm choosing to interact with this breath, this spirit of God now in this moment, and how does the story impact that on a more beautiful level? That's really beautiful. So... So I've, I've got to be willing, so the doubt and struggles, I've got to be willing then to, like if someone were to come up and say, uh, Noah's Ark didn't happen. It's dumb to think that that happened. Like, okay, that's fine. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, so like doubt and struggles, okay. I, I don't feel like I have to, we have to agree on that. For right. me, the invitation is, yeah, but there's something here in this moment. Yeah. Breathe deep and sense and know like there's something, like mm-hmm. that's the conversation I want to have. Right. Now, I can go back into history and we can understand that there are, I think it's over 200 different flood stories that come out of history in this region of the world at the time. Yeah. And so, like, different religions, different beliefs, different cultures, and here's Noah's Ark as one of them, of over 200. 
So something happened, potentially, but wasn't the whole planet? We don't know. Something happened, and people are trying to wrestle with what is this thousands of years ago, just like we're doing right now in this moment. What is this? They just chose to document it around a story with a boat. So if Noah's Ark happened, great. If Noah's Ark didn't happen, okay. But for me, this is the more important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I I really like that. I I really like that. And also, I think, yeah, I like that. I'm not going to say I think. I think that's a really beautiful thought. Yeah. And I think you described it better just now than you haven't seen MYK before. So listen up, people. So anyways, for me, doubt is an invitation to see Scripture differently. Absolutely. That it's not, Scriptures are not an invitation into certainty. Scriptures are an invitation into wrestling and doubting and struggling more, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest. Because, and this is where I think the Bible gets really unhealthy, is when it does become uh, some sort of fundamentalist, black or white kind of approach to life. And I'm going to it to reaffirm what I already know compared to be invited to struggle with what is. Because if I'm willing to struggle with what is, I believe that the scriptures are inviting me into this more beautiful way, forgiveness, grace, peace, living with enough, all these kinds of ideas that I think the scriptures are so clear about. I've got to always be willing to to wrestle through that to find this more beautiful way, beautiful way forward. Because mm-hmm. I know my propensity to just always think, now I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty kick-ass individual. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> so I'm just going to go read the Bible to reaffirm how awesome I am and how right I am and That's how right. wrong you are. Right. And the people that I hate and don't like, they're really wrong. And this is the Bible affirms that for me. No, I need yeah. to be reminded, no, I... I, I need to struggle through this stuff yeah. because there's a, there's a better way. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Bible has become for me. Yeah. But doubt is a big piece of that. You? Oh, I'm so caught up in yours right now. I don't want to talk about oh. that. Uh, no, I, I really, I really value that um, perspective that for you, the Bible now opens you up, especially the story of Jesus and especially you know, that story of, Hey, you have what I had. So go do it. Um, I I love the invitation for us to examine right here, right now, where we're at. And, and maybe if the Bible adds that conversation, awesome. And I think there's no pressure if it doesn't. I think that's the beauty of it too, that, um, I don't think it has to, it doesn't have to add anything right now. Now, um, for me, the Bible turned into a very interesting book, um, when my faith went away and I started opening myself up to more doubt and question and not having the answers. Um, and it, it opened itself up to me in this way of, I stopped reading it as a true story and started reading it as like a piece of fiction, like I would Tolkien or, um, you know, any other, um, like maybe like a high fantasy series. Um, uh, right now I'm currently reading this, um, like 14 book fantasy series, super nerdy. I know it's called the wheel of time. I'm on book 10, but I find myself reading it and there'll be sentences that pop out to me. And I'm like that, that's true. Like a piece of advice or just, um, you know, some like just something weird that I read on a page and, um, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's true. And so I'm trying to read the Bible the same way. And so for me, once I started to open up myself to the Bible being, um, just a really good story, I started to pull more from it. Mm-hmm. Much like you trying to, or much like you um, reading older stories or, you know, the gospel story and, and and being able to question more, I started reading the Bible and the scriptures as 
a, a guiding text for us as maybe our human understanding. Because some of these stories really started to bother me, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, I had a, I was in Bozeman last weekend with a friend and we were sitting having um, lunch at our favorite lunch spot in Bozeman. And he was telling me, you know, about his atheism. And, and what was interesting is I was such a hardcore pastor for so long. He was, I think he was afraid to talk to me about it at times. So for the first time in our life, after 25 years of friendship, we finally get to start having this conversation. And he told me he went to church and heard the story of Abraham and Isaac about yeah. how God told a man to kill his son. And the son went willingly and like, tie me up, dad, kill me. You know? And he, <laughs> he like, he had two daughters, he has two daughters and he's like, I would like, I don't care what God is, I would never kill my daughter, which any parent out there would read that story and feel the same way. And so, you know, I think it's really easy to read a story like that and just write off the Bible as ludicrous and ridiculous. But instead for me now, I read that story and go, there's something else here. This has so little to do with a man being told to kill his son and so much more with the, maybe the foundation of that man or the, the willingness of the son, something else. There has to be something else to this story mm-hmm. rather than it just being a true story of a man mm-hmm. going to kill his son because God told him to and then God stops in the last minute to save the day to make himself look good. Like mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. Um, and then there's other stories that really um, are profound to me, like the story of, um, is it uh, Jacob wrestling with God? Mm-hmm. So Jacob wrestles with God all night and... You know, I've, I've actually talked, I've talked about this story at CMYK, how absurd the story is. But at the same time, as this idea of the divine gets bigger for me, how come that? How how can that not be a story of us as humans wrestling with something bigger? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a literal story. Maybe it's simply a really beautiful allegory of us pointing us towards something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the scriptures have actually added to this beautiful conversation of doubt and question because the stories have gotten better. Mm-hmm. They're no longer these like true stories now there are these like fables that have beautiful meaning behind them, truth, meaning, moral purpose and value in our lives that I think add to my life immensely. Yeah. Yeah, we're less worried about Abraham's shoe size and, <laughs> and more worried about... Sandal size. Sorry, oh sandal size. Do you yeah, read see, the Bible? No, wow. <laughs> apparently not. Uh, <laughs> Nikes, right? Uh, yeah, Nike. <laughs> we're, we're less worried about that and more worried about what, again, how does this... Inv- what what does the story do to impact the way that I'm interacting with the divine? Yeah, what does it draw moment? out of me? Yeah. To to yeah, to to let me step into this space with the divine, whatever it might be, and interact with it. Absolutely. And so for me, I mean, just like you talk about, the divine has gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. What this has done, and this has probably been one of the more controversial kind of concepts of us talking about the scriptures that um I've interacted with, with people that have been a part of CMYK, left CMYK, whatever. Like, this is a challenging thing to see scripture in this kind of light. Um, Rather than this book of certainty, it's a book that's actually inviting us to wrestle with God, like Jacob wrestled with God. Um, And so, like, that's a, a controversial thing. But for me... This actually has made the scriptures more beautiful, Mm -hmm. more profound, more applicable to my life. And to understand, like, and (laughs) if we want to make the Bible just some sort of book of certainty and some sort of rule book, do this, 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 it's a crappy book for that. Like, it's a, (laughs) it's, it's horribly written. It's way too long. Like, it could be way, way shorter. Way like, if that was God's intent. You ever seen that little like picture of like the pocket-sized Bible? uh Little tiny Bible. It's like this meme online. Little tiny Bible, and you open it, just says, "Don't be a dick." Like those are all the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because that would be the efficient version. But exactly, (laughs) like if 
so divine, all-knowing God that you know understands human hearts and minds more than any other creature or being ever yeah. is going to give the perfect book for you to do the right things and not do the wrong things. And this is what this is what it is because it seems really confusing. It seems really long. It seems really boring. And I know I'm probably upsetting some people with statements like this, but it just doesn't work that well as that kind of book. And in fact, it actually invites a lot of horrible things like, you know, genocide and slavery and, you know, sexism towards women and different things that are like all these things that are happening and have happened historically. And the Bible has been a reason why people are acting like dicks. Like it's not a good book for that. Right. But what it does for me and what it I think is supposed to do is to invite us into this moment to breathe deep and to wrestle with the same things that humanity's been wrestling with for thousands of years. Yeah. What is this and what is the most beautiful way to interact with this? Myself, the people around me, the stuff that I have. And and we do have some stories that are told just like Tolkien, just like uh who wrote the Game of Thrones? Oh, George R R Martin. George R R Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh that guy like we have some great stories that resonate deeply with us because we understand what evil looks like. We understand what goodness looks like. We yeah. understand like there's these resonant things that happen, and we can set down these stories and we can engage this world differently because of those stories. Right. And I think the scriptures, for me personally, still do that and resonate. Well, and I think I want to go back to something you just said a few minutes ago, where for me, these three things: community, divine, and scripture. Um, you know. All three of them, when we sprinkle in doubt, question, and not having all the answers into those three areas, or when those like you know co when those things interact with each other, I feel like for me personally, there is a whole new realm of sacred that I'm stepping into mm-hmm. that I was not ready for. That mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I thought those days were far behind me mm-hmm. as an evangelical pastor when I yeah. left it. And now there's a whole new kind of sacred I'm getting to tap into yeah. because of it. Yeah. So, And I would say, just kind of wrap it all up, <clears throat> this tapping into sacred is actually what this stuff has been about historically for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. It's just really within the last 100 or 200 years with the scientific method and all these introductions into specifically American culture that we've turned this whole thing into something that it never was historically. Right. So there's actually something older, deeper, and truer about doubt and struggle yeah, and not the having old a, magic. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was looking yeah, for. There it exactly. is. <laughs> so like and that's and that's why I think it, it resonates so deeply. Like this isn't some newfangled like this is actually tapping into what this has always been about. Well and that's what's so funny. Like you spend any time going and reading the old like saints. Mm-hmm. You know, spend spend ten minutes reading Saint Francis and that guy was you know he was drinking some Kool-Aid that was awesome. Yep. You know, he was he was tapping into the old magic. Yep. He was experiencing something sacred. But Finding God in, in everywhere, a ground tree, of all being. Yep. A tree, yep. yeah. Yep. And so, but we, that's lost on us with just a couple hundred years of time passage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I am, I'm so honored, uh, and I know you are too, uh, to just be a part of this thing called CMYK. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like doing this podcast series of the DNA of this community. I love that this isn't about, I wonder one day if we'll ever see a, <laughs> a community like, like, but to be able to like really kind of have these celebrative conversations and say like, this is happening. And so for those of you listening, I just want to say thank you to those of you that are willing to bring your doubts 
your struggles, your questions, your willingness to not have all the answers and to be vulnerable and to be candid with where you are because that's that's what's really beautiful. And for those of you that hear these kinds of stories of doubt and questions, your willingness to embrace people like me, people like Seth, people, uh, others in our community, that's actually what's creating this thing. So uh, thank you, Seth, for, yeah. for bringing your doubt and uh, being horrible at a lot of things. I really appreciate it. It's yeah. really helped. Yeah. You know, if that, there's one that, thing I'm good at, it's being the, the average struggle level has gone up because of you. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, no, uh, but thank you for, I mean, you, you really are, uh, and I don't mean this in a joking way. You are a leader on the, uh, in this and, and being honest. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Okay. Cool. I hope everybody have a great week. We hope to see you in a couple of weeks, July 21st for our gathering because... Seth Guess Earth. who's talking? <laughs> Seth Ersgren is going to be talking. It's going to be great. We just oh, had a I conversation am? with it. Yes, you are. Oh, we just talked about it. It's going to be good. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Loves. <laughs>